0: See?
1: Everyone, hi. Hello, it is me, Allison Rosen, and welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I'm sitting here with guest Scott Ackerman, and I'm very excited to be sitting here with you. Hello,
2: I'm hello. excited to be sitting here with you.
1: No, not as excited as I am. Mm, okay. Scott Ackerman from <laughs> I Believe It Comedy Bang Bang, You Talking You two To Me, a podcast <laughs> mogul and impresario, Earwolf also writer run Ronnie run
2: <laughs> yes <laughs> there's that laugh <laughs> <laughs> usually
1: I do that and uh, between two ferns I could go on
2: oh please okay. don't <laughs> um yeah hey how's it going it's good. nice to uh meet you on Mike.
1: yes exactly well so I tweeted who do you guys want to hear on my podcast or, like what guest should I try to get on my podcast good tweet it was a really... that it Sounds a like it was it.
2: under 140 characters, so it fits within the parameters.
1: That's right, yeah. There was no excessive punctuation or anything. Good job. I don't even know if I used a hashtag. Hmm. But you responded to it, and you said, I'll do it. Yes. And I was like, pinch me. Could this really be happening? Because you're someone that I've wanted to have on the podcast for a really long time. Oh, really? And I thought that you don't do that. Well, so so first I was like, oh wow, I don't think he does that many podcasts. But then I looked and I'm like, no, you do a fair amount. I'll
2: do some, especially uh, some with people that uh, whose work I admire.
1: Oh. Oh, you. Well, so Scott Ackerman, so much to talk about. We have plenty of things in common. We both grew mm-hmm. up in Orange County and we both did don't you love fish.
2: Oh, don't. Fish the I band. don't love them. Yeah. Okay. Sorry to interrupt you That's on that. That's okay. One. Um, where did you grow up in Orange County?
1: Corona Del Mar. I grew up in Corona Mar. CDM. That was the high school I went to.
2: Really? And then. Ooh, we bested you in water polo once. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. You went to Cyprus? (laughs)
2: Cyprus High, yeah. Uh,
1: And then I went to college, and then I came back, and I lived in Costa Mesa. Oh, did you? I went to
2: college in Costa Mesa at Orange Coast College for a spell.
1: OCC. For a stretch. That's what we called it.
2: Uh Uh-huh. I did a $2 bill there, two years. What did you you get? You can't say you did it like a dime. (laughs) No. but Like, I guess I did a $2 bill, which is actually- Those are special. They're rare. Yeah, those are actually 20 dimes. So that's actually, that's more like 200 years. Right. Um, what did I study? Is that?
1: Yeah. What did you, you get your AA in?
2: I did not receive any kind of degree. Really? Um, but I was studying theater. I went there because my friend um, said they had a really good theater program. And I did uh, go there and did a bunch of plays and wrote a bunch of plays and did a bunch of stuff.
1: What did you think of growing up in Orange County? Um, You know, it's it's
2: all I knew. My parents were simple country folk, and yet they <laughs> scraped enough money together to buy just a a plain three-bedroom house. But, you know, this was the 70s when, you know, military people were getting... I don't know. It was okay. It was kind of boring. It's what, boring, which, isn't
1: it? Yeah, very boring. Which yeah. city were you in?
2: It was in Cyprus. Okay. And uh, which is over by Anaheim. I worked at Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm and all those places. Um,
1: Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm? yeah. What did you do at Knott's Berry Farm?
2: At Knott's Berry Farm, I was security uh, during Halloween Haunt. Wow. And um, my friend, who I, whom with whom I went to high school, um, we both got this job together, and you were just sort of put wherever they wanted to put you for some reason. They said he could be a monster, which is what I wanted to be. Mm. And they said I had to be line security um, outside of the ride that my friend was being a monster in. So he got to have a ton of fun. And what he would do is... He would see two pretty girls in one of the cars. He would scare them, then take off his mask and go, ha, hey, and show them that he was good looking Mm because he was a super good looking guy and jump in their car and talk to them for the rest of the ride. He would just like go the rest of the ride and talk to them and say, hey, where do you live? And if, you know, they lived close by, he would say, go to my friend out doing line security out in front of the ride and get my number. And so I was like sort of his middleman or something like that.
1: You're his wingman. Yeah, his wingman. What happened to him? Where is he now?
2: He's a lawyer in Chicago.
1: Oh. Well like, Yeah,
2: so he's doing okay. Married, yeah. yeah. You. I, that would be funny if he married one of the girls that he jumped <laughs> in the thing or one, another monster or an actual monster.
1: Right. That Any three
2: of those would be highly ironic. But it, unfortunately, no, he just he married just, a woman.
1: I feel like... Uh, I feel like he lacks dedication to this bit, you know? Yeah. Where's the commitment I know. Come on. to go ahead and just become a lawyer Come and marry just a regular Dave person? Dave
2: Ballinger.
1: Oh, that's him. <laughs> yes, that, that Dave. That's him. Um, well, so I know that at Disneyland, I read a, I read an interview with you where you were talking about. Thank you. You're welcome. Getting locked out of the back- or not being able to find the backstage while you were in costume as Br'er Bear. Is that right? Yes.
2: I did several characters Goofy, Br'er Bear, Captain Hook. Uh, Little John was the absolute worst. I believe that was eight feet tall. Because, I don't
1: even know who which story is Little John. Okay, yeah.
2: If you're t- uh, for the listeners who do not know who I am, um, I am well. I'm a human being, but more importantly than that, I'm six two, mm. which means I had to bear the brunt—no um, pun intended—with Brer <laughs> Bear uh, of all of the taller costumes, and most of those costumes are about a foot. You at like, least hot, uh, taller than me.
1: You were their token tall guy.
2: Exactly. Now, the short people, the literally little people, mm-hmm. they, they all got to be Donald Duck, Daffy Duck, Mickey Mouse, that kind of thing. The tall people had to wear these gigantic costumes that were um, at least one or two feet taller than, than we were and fat, too. For some reason, all of the tall characters are super fat. So, Is it
1: a center of gravity thing?
2: I don't know. Just, I mean, I we all know, like, I don't know if you've ever seen the Disney, um, how they would swipe the animation from movie to movie.
1: Oh, I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So they would just u- reuse the same animation for, like, Little John is fat, and they use the same body for Baloo in Jungle mm. Book. So a lot of these costumes have the same body type. If I was in Captain Hook, it was uh, pleasure, because all it was was my body with a plastic mask Mm -hmm. on. But for Br'er Bear, it was a giant fat thing that I would have to uh, take these Velcro straps and cinch around my waist um, very hard in order for it to not smack me in the face every time I walked. Wow. And so I would get bruises on on my body from the cinching and then I would also get a headache from the smacking and then it was also (laughs) a thousand degrees inside. Um, and then you had kids treating you like shit and just, it was, uh, it's, it's a really bad job.
1: Well, when I was... Reading the part of the interview where you were talking about... So it's like you're in the costume for very short stints. Yes. Because otherwise you'll overheat. You do
2: five minutes on, five off. Right. But um, you couldn't
1: get backstage, so you were stuck out there, and you couldn't take the costume off. And I began to feel claustrophobic just reading it. Yeah. I would have... I would, That would have been the end for me. I would have had to take the head off.
2: Yeah. I. We would do these uh, things, and I, I believe they were called walkabouts, but if you work at Disney and know what they're called, please contact me, where you would start out at Main Street, and then you would... Not go backstage, Main Street, which is where you would normally hang out. You would do a walkabout, which would mean you would go to the entrance of the New Orleans Square, um, and that was supposed to take you. You're never supposed to be in the costume longer than 35 minutes. Um, that you would do five minutes on, five minutes off, twenty minutes
1: on, twenty minutes off, or else your skin melts and becomes part of the costume, right? Exactly, and, then you turn and that's why that.
2: I look like Bear Bear today. <laughs> because i got i, I got that. lost moving to new orleans square <laughs> and i wandered around if you know disneyland at all i wandered around to it's a small world i ended up at mm. and uh where roger rabbit country is now it wasn't right. back it was like videopolis back then
1: what is the um, name of where small world is? fantasy not fantasy land uh it does it have any? name
2: yeah it is in fantasy oh, yeah, okay. yeah yeah it is it's it's tucked in the back of Fantasyland. land um yeah, so I was I was gone out there for an hour and a half oh. in the middle of the summer is is when I worked there, and um, I was just lost, and I was like trying to. You have to wave at kids, and you're and I was dying, and finally, <laughs> someone grabbed my hand and said, "There you are, Brer Bear." And it was one of the park security people who had been looking for me frantically for for the past hour.
1: <laughs> well, it's it's funny to think of losing a gigantic bear.
2: <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you know now what, what with walkie-talkie technology, <laughs> right? I'm sure that was invented back then. I don't know, but with <laughs> cell sure, phones, you yeah. could probably like get a bead on me or something. Right? Yeah. It was a. It was a. I only worked there for a summer. Um. This was the summer of 1988, I believe, and they were having a 50s music revival um back then and so roy orbison played there that summer and i was really big into roy orbison still am and to see him would be a thrill but disney at the time was very penny pinching and they would only allow you to once you clocked out you had to be at your car or go through security to get to your car within 10 minutes so i um had to sort of like duck out of work at one point and and sneak Less over to what, see you what? Enjoy the attractions? Exactly. They didn't they didn't want anyone enjoy. Now I hear it's different, mm-hmm. but back then they were like we don't want anyone walking around Disneyland who isn't paying for it. Right. So I had to duck out of work on my shift to go see, you know, a half hour of Roy Orbison and then he died right after that. So, uh, you know, I was happy I did it, but yeah. it was a terrible job. probably one of the worst jobs I've ever had.
1: Um and you play music, right? Or you did? A little bit. Oh. Um, what did you play?
2: Guitar. Yeah. You
1: know, you were in A Naked Postman with Adrian Young. <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah. We, uh, I went to Cypress High School and Adrian, who is the drummer of No Doubt, um, we went to high school together. And so the aforementioned, um, Dave Ballinger was one of our lead oh. singers and, um, yeah, Before we were he in.
1: A... join the establishment.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's a punk rock lawyer though. <laughs> of
1: course. Right. Hi Dave.
2: He's... Haven't talked to you in a while. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, we were all in a band together. Adrian learned to play for the band. And um, we played for a year, I think. And then we did the classic, um, the band broke up and then reformed without me two days later with a different (laughs) lead singer.
1: Hmm. What do you make of that?
2: Uh, They just didn't want to hang out with me anymore, I think. And then... um, And then... A year later, while we or no, just after the after they broke up, I think I think the Naked Postman became Echo Star, a metal band for a little while.
1: Nice, um,
2: because there was one dude who a really nice dude named Milton who um, could play any like metal song. He he had like Eddie Van Halen style mm-hmm. metal in his veins, and he could do any any of that. And I think Adrian was just like, well, this guy's an actual good musician because I'm not that great. <laughs> um, so they started a metal band for I think two months broke up and then Adrian saw the um saw that no doubt was looking for a drummer and then lied and said he had I think five years experience drumming or something like that when he had only been doing it for one year and taught mm-hmm. himself how, self taught. Right. And they believed it. And then I think I read that he didn't tell them about this until his job was secure <laughs> and then he was like, Hey by the way guys, I lied <laughs> Um but yeah. He's And he's an amazing drummer. He was like, I the fact that he taught himself how to do that is crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess it worked out for him. I guess so. Now nice they,
2: when things work out for nice white people in Orange
1: County.
2: <laughs> I also went to high school with Phil Jimenez, who's one of um, the great comic book artists right now. We were all in the same class.
1: I was going to say, was he in Suicidal Tendencies? So I was going the complete wrong direction. <laughs>
2: suicidal Tendencies was around when I was... Twelve, so I think
1: they're they're from like South Bay, I think maybe. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I well, could, the I, I could the be Minut completely were, wrong. Definitely.
2: Yeah. How was your your uh, Orange County experience?
1: Um. Okay, looking back on Orange County, I understand why my parents thought this would be a nice place. Did they
2: move there because they
1: wanted to be in a nice, safe place to raise kids? Because okay. Corona Del
2: Mar is nice. That's one of the yeah like, bougier parts. It is. of Orange County.
1: It is, and yeah. it has good schools, and it's very. I think they. They just wanted safety was the main their main concern because mm-hmm. I was born in Oakland and that's where we lived and it was beginning mm-hmm. to get rough and my brothers because MC
2: Hammer built his mansion there exactly <laughs> his glass yeah, house the whole neighborhood changed. the one that he said everyone would could look up to the hill and and aspire to be him
1: <laughs> right yeah and my dad was like I can't have I can't measuring myself against this mm-hmm. always yeah we have to. Um white flight. Let's follow them. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, yeah. Um I growing up I didn't love it. It was so homogenous and I really felt like I didn't fit in.
2: Did you feel like you wanted to be around more culture or around when you say homogenous, do you mean um ethnicities or or just everyone was the same?
1: Everyone was the same. Everyone was conservative, blonde, and athletic. Right. And I'm none of those things. Well
2: I'm blonde. (laughs) Not athletic,
1: right? No. Are your parents conservative?
2: They are, yeah. They're very conservative. My dad, I think, reads, um, you know, conservative books all the time, listens to conservative talk radio, mm-hmm. or, and lectures me about it. <laughs> the trifecta.
1: Well, that's kind of Orange County ish.
2: Yeah, it is. Like I know what's best, and
1: oh, these people outside of Orange County, uh. right?
2: It is. It's it's such a it's a weird place, isn't it? I mean, it's such a liberal state, California, to have one. Enclave. Enclave that everyone is just, you know, listen, listen, listen to Lush rimba. I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> listen lush, to Lush you sound, rimba.
1: You sound like Lush rimba. <laughs> <laughs> Um You know, so I really, I really didn't appreciate it when I was growing Sorry.
2: up there. Oh, I, I thought you were yelling at me.
1: Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> But then after college, when I came back, um, I lived there and I worked at the OC Weekly and I played in a band. And You played in a band? I did. The
2: Devil, you say. What did you play? I
1: played guitar as well. Oh, really? What was your band? The Angoras. The Angoras? That sounds yeah. amazing. It was really fun. And I really. So at that point, I was living in Costa Mesa, which is. This is um, for the five listeners who live in Orange County. It's super <laughs> exciting for them. <laughs> yeah. The other She's side... at
2: our <laughs> Town name. I am residing within the city limits of where she spoke.
1: (laughs) Um, Costa Mesa is the other side of the bay. So it's got a little Mm. different feel than Corona Del Mar. And I really, really liked it then. And then I moved to New York. But as I was moving to New York, I was like, I'm because I just had this thing of like, I don't want to be in Orange County my whole life. Um, But I felt like I'm leaving a life that I actually like. Hmm. So, at that okay. point I kind of I kind of turned on Orange County. I decided, you know, there's a, there, there's a really good music scene in Orange County. Yeah, I, I mean there that. there is, you know, a nice of good punk
2: bands. scene and and rock scene. Yeah, definitely. And I, and the one thing I will say about Orange County is, you know, I grew up around a lot of um Asian people. Um not I will say not so many African American people or Hispanic people at the time, but I think that's changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew up around a ton of Asian people, which, you know, sort of i never really had the weird things about race really that i think some conservative places had you know what i mean like it was always just kind of normal to
1: me right and is that why you married kulop yes (laughs) kulop who's been a guest on my show whom i love
2: yes she says hello um my wife uh or my former girlfriend who (laughs) i married um, I broke up with her and then asked to be her husband.
1: Right. Well, so I was trying to remember what I know of your relationship from when yeah. she was on the show. When I remember, what did she say, is, what did she say? She said that my husband doesn't listen to any podcast that I'm on. I'm just kidding. Um, but I know that she was quite a bit younger than you when you ten met- years. Uh, she still
2: is, by the way. We've we have aged really? consecutively. That's
1: that's so wonderful when that happens. <laughs> it's so serendipitous. Mm-hmm. You were a writer on Mister Show at the time, right? Yes. And I know you guys met, and then you went out for a while, and then she became kind of dependent on you, and like was no no longer had was bringing her own stuff to the table.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I would I would. Um come home every once in a while and she would have knocked on my neighbor's apartment and climbed over his balcony to get into my place to just hang out wow you know stuff because she didn't have anything going on my place was nicer and you know it was like i mean you know she, she moved here from minnesota um and i think it was it was sort of a comfort blanket thing where you know it's like, hey, here's a guy with more money than me who will take care of me, daddy.
1: Please take care of me, daddy.
2: You know, so it, it got a little...
1: What's interesting is that now you're married, though.
2: Yes. Well, you know, we broke up, though. Um, and then she, she within a year, we got back together because that year she just, like, went out and and became kind of the person she is now, in a way. She just... Got a ton of friends and developed a, a lot more interests that weren't just me. And um, when we met up a year later, I was very just like taken aback by, wow, this is the person that I met, I think, when we first started going out. And so we got back together.
1: Did you explain all that stuff to her as a reason that you were breaking up?
2: Yeah, How'd I think so. Um, I mean, not good. break. I mean, look, you know, as much as, you know, anytime you break up with someone, um, someone can, the other person will say later well you at least you should have just whatever that is no one ever gives the full full story or whatever so it's always gonna be terrible a breakup is terrible so um the way i feel about breakups is it's a lot it's a lot like when you're driving on the road um i had a friend who i i used to be a passenger in his car and um he would um people would cut him off in traffic and he would like pound on the horn and go fuck you and then he would cut people off in traffic and people would pound on the horn he'd go fuck you <laughs> um and i kind of feel like you if you're gonna be out there like doing damage you know like breaking up with people you kind of when someone breaks up with you, you gotta go hey i get it <laughs> and you know kind of go you know uh people uh, rela- relationships are tough i get it i understand it just didn't work out okay Let's, let's go our separate ways. So
1: is she the one who was out there doing damage?
2: No, but I mean, you know, when you feel... Because that's
1: what I got from the story, Scott.
2: <laughs> when you break up with someone, you always feel like you're the one doing yes. damage. But it would just be better out there for people if when someone wants to break up with you, you don't like try to get the full story or try to get closure or whatever just right. in your mind just go oh it didn't work out and go oh that sucks and just move on right otherwise you're gonna drive yourself crazy that's why people stalk people is because I want the full story I want info and then you're like sitting outside their house
1: well, with and you're always, a knife and and it's always you're always seeking info that isn't doesn't only pertain to the relationship. I think it's always right. seeking, it's like, why is life abandoning me? You know, there's always <laughs> right. stuff that's because I think any relationship, unless you've been together like 20 years, then maybe those issues are about that relationship. But at any sort of short relationship where the pain is out of proportion to how long you were together, it's always because it's triggering whatever all your stuff is. Right. That's my and theory, at and
2: least. I wish, you know, back then, you know, I took some breakups kind of bad. And it's like, I wish someone back then was just like, hey, man who cares you're like 20 <laughs> go fuck other people yeah um you know like i don't think anyone should should really get buried until like 30 something how know old what were I mean? you i ooh billy um i was that's a great question and you know what <laughs> it deserves a respectful answer and so here i go uh i was 38 okay and she was 28 that ten year difference, I'm right? About. Yeah, that's
1: right. Right. It, it followed you even to the altar, and that's
2: that was pretty good, um, you know, because I I felt like she she was nineteen when we first started dating, and we broke up when she was twenty one, and I think like at twenty one, it would have been like, let's get married, you know, and and, and neither of us were ready for it, mm. you know.
1: Um. So how was working on Mister Show? Well, actually, no. Don't answer that yet. Oh boy. Let's go back. Okay. You. Wanted to be in show business God, really I young. I want to answer right? that question. <laughs> can I?
2: Can
0: we get to it later? Please I promise, promise you, me. I promise you. I
1: want to talk about Mister So So Bad. I promise we will. Okay. I'm, I'm leading you there. Okay. So you realized that you wanted to be a performer pretty young, right? Because you went to OSHA, which I know yeah. of because Mo- Monique Powell from Save Ferris, another Orange County. Band. She went there. Really? She went there.
2: What years? I wonder. She's um, younger than I. Yes. I was only there the very first year it was ever there.
1: I didn't even know about it. This is for the listeners who are like, What's OSHA? It's Orange County High School of the Performing Arts. Of the Arts. Of the Arts, right? Otherwise it'd be Osha.
2: Um it's the Fame School, but the Orange County version. Mm -hmm. And it was um you know, growing up, obviously I'd heard of Fame and I'd heard the song eight million times. (laughs) Um I'd never seen the movie, but we all knew what Fame and it was a TV series. We all knew what fame was. And they opened an Orange County uh, chapter and the year I was a senior in high school. So I went there the first year that it was there. A very, I'm sure a very different school than what it is now. But um, yeah, so I, I knew when I was a kid that I wanted to do something. Um, I was always in plays. And and my mom tells a story of when I was, I think, six in a church play, I said a line in it that got a laugh and she saw my eyes light up like <laughs> what is that laughter they're laughing at me and she's like oh boy
1: what line do you remember what line it was no she what doesn't play it
2: she, yeah it was it was probably something to do with noah's ark if i had to hazard a guess <laughs>
1: Did you improvise the line?
2: No, no. I think I just said a Uh, line and it was delivered it. And I don't. It probably wasn't even a funny line. It was just I said it cute Mm -hmm. because at the time I probably was cute and you know it got a laugh like, oh, how cute. And I think (laughs) I just was like, I want more of this. Right. This feeling. I I hate myself. I want more of that feeling.
1: So you started doing plays young then? Yeah. So that I, was like a church thing, but then did you do community theater? Or what I did, did some community
2: theater, um, and then when I got into high school... Well, even like in junior high, I was doing things like an art class, I remember. Um, one of our assignments was we had to do a lip sync. And so I remember I I sang... Um, I think the Beatles song yesterday, but instead of just doing the lip sync, I tape recorded myself doing dead John Lennon jokes for about (laughs) three minutes before that as an intro. And (laughs) then I lip synced that as well. (laughs) Um, And so I just always was like, wanted to do, I just, I guess it was, I was interested in comedy in a way of like, I want to do things differently. Mm. I want to, you know, if it's a lip sync, I don't want to just do that. I want to do something different, you know? So so then, when I got into high school, I was in plays <clears throat> and started singing, and um, sort of thought I was like, "Oh wow, I really because I love the art form of musical theater." So I was like, "Oh, I kind of want to do this." Um, so I bounced around. Did That's you what, want to do Broadway? A little bit, but I'm I'm a terrible dancer, so I just never had the confidence that I could. But I was a really good singer, so I went to OSHA and did school plays, and then I went to a. Uh, th- uh, theater college um, called Pacific Conser- Conservatory of the Performing Arts um, for a couple of years. And um, that's where I sort of did a lot of musical theater. And then I traveled around the country doing musicals for a bit. And then I said, I hate this. And I moved back to LA.
1: So many questions. What did you do to get into OSHA? Did you have to do an audition?
2: Yes. I remember I had to do a monologue. I think I did a Woody Allen monologue and I remember not preparing for it at all and having to have the script in my hand, which is very unprofessional. Mm. Um, and then I believe I sang...
1: professional for a 13-year-old trying to get into... High well, school. I was
2: seventeen though. If you recall, this is—I was a senior in high school at this point.
1: Oh, you went to OSHA. No, this was for—I was asking how you got into OSHA.
2: Yes, they, I was. It was instituted. Oh, you went to
1: Cyprus and then. Yes, gotcha. it was
2: instituted. The, the first Sorry. year it was around was that's when I was what you That's
1: what you were yeah. saying when you were saying the first year. And that was I, what I was I saying when I
2: said that piece of information. Right. That you ignored.
1: <laughs> I feel bad. <laughs> I'm I'm terrible at my job. No, no.
2: Um, no, yeah, I didn't so, about that for a second. So I, yeah, don't say things like that, Allison. <laughs> um, No, I remember I did a Woody Allen monologue and I sang a song, but I can't recall what I sang. Um, I think I got in on the song. Mm -hmm. I probably did not get in on the... I remember I I used to do like weird... If if I had to do a monologue, I never liked doing the dramatic monologues. I did speech competitions when I was young and... There was a category of dramatic monologue, and every single person would do things like Night Mother, and if like anyone who's not into theater is so bored at this point, but um, super dramatic plays that were always about, and it seemed to me like it was always about someone confessing that they were molested. <laughs> That's it. and you you would go to a speech competition and just watch these things, and it was just like bummer after, and everyone was southern. They're like mother he came into my room and he did things to me. And that was just my impression of like drama. <laughs> and I even, I won, um, I went to state speech competition. Um, and I won third place by writing, um, something called dramatic monologue. That was a parody <laughs> of all those. And it was just those tropes and me making fun of them. Um, so I, I just, I, I was always kind of like a kid back then who was like, drama,
1: stupid,
2: you know, humor's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Humor is funny, well, and it's rude.
1: It really is.
2: <laughs> it, look, if humor is not funny, you're doing something wrong.
1: <laughs> well, I was gonna. Oh, I'm getting thrown off my own questions. You were, um,
2: you were you were asking about I wanted to grow up uh, and and be some sort of an artist.
1: Yes, yes. Well, no, and you I were i kn-
2: leading to the Mister Show question, I which know, I'm dying to talk
1: about. But there's so many forks heading there. Okay, I'm gonna stick. Sure. I'm gonna stay to the left, which mm-hmm. only makes sense if, for people who are inside. Stick my a fork brain. in the other forks. I, there's it's like um. It's like a silverware store in my head right now, really? but only of forks. It's just only forks. <laughs> must
2: be loud in there.
1: It's, yeah. And yeah, you, you mm-hmm. don't want to reach in because you'll, like, one isn't of the forks is there such a thing brain. as just a
2: silverware store? There should be.
1: I don't, you know, there probably I know. isn't.
2: They, I mean, the markup on those would have to be incredible right. in order to make any money at all.
1: What would, it would be like forks, forks, and forks. <laughs> so <I was> <laughs> well, do to you sell forks
2: here? <laughs> <laughs> do you sell knives well unfortunately we're out of knives today
1: right um, well i mean i guess the silverware store that only had forks otherwise it would just be flatware <laughs> Yeah. you know but then it's like do you also have other like gravy ladle that's the thing no this place ladles? nope this place just almost,
2: yeah just flatware just flatware yeah no giant flatware no,
1: <laughs> those, <laughs> no are, those are cooking
2: tongs. utensils
1: you're right mm. that's what they would say when they got upset get out of here yeah mm-hmm. um Okay, so then you went to theater college. Yes. And you were a little bit depressed there, is that right?
2: I was a little bit because um, I think in my heart I wanted to be in comedy. Um, but I loved I loved doing musical theater, and I was just looking for anything to do. Um, and my friend... Uh, well, here's what, here's what happened. I, I went to a theater competition with the, the college I was going to, and we went to some competition in Santa Barbara. And all my friends were auditioning, doing this thing where you would do an audition and all the colleges would come watch you. And I remember I did a monologue from orphans for that. And um, this dude sits down next to me before I'm going in, and he starts talking to me, this like older guy. And he's talking to me about what I want to do, blah, blah, blah. And he says, oh, by the way, I'm um, the head of the of PCPA. And I'll see you when you get in there. And then they asked me to go up there and take a look at the school because they wanted me to go. And I took a look at it, saw a play, and was kind of like, eh, I don't know. But there's a power to, like, one of your friends going. Um, when you're nervous about a situation, my friend got in. And I was like, that gave me the confidence of like, oh, okay, I'm gonna move four hours away, Mm -hmm. but at least I'll have a friend. You know,
1: that's huge. It's huge that you're making that kind of decision. Yeah, Yeah. like
2: my wife moved from Minnesota to Los Angeles, knowing no one, and that's like, and so, so you got to kind of cut her a break when you think about how she glommed onto me in Mm -hmm. a way. (laughs) You know, like I get it. So, um, so I went up there, and I just. I really wanted to be into comedy and I wasn't taking the drama part of it seriously. And so I just kind of got depressed. And, um, I remember my, my friend that I moved up there with and I got into an argument and he moved out and wanted to move in with someone cooler. And so I had the apartment all by myself around Christmas and I was just like, depressed because no one seemed to like me at the school and and the teachers hated me because i was kind of a smart ass and Mm -hmm. i was always trying to do things differently like that lip sync i was talking about (laughs) and so i remember at christmas i i was like i'm getting a christmas tree and is that that, how you spoke in those days i'm getting a christmas tree yeah i was I. yeah, it was. I talked like a pirate for some reason mm-hmm. back then. And I've learned that's what theater college was all about: is learning how to not Do talk the, like a pirate, right?
1: And pirate yourself.
2: So I got a Christmas tree, and it was in the middle of, and I had n- no furniture. I was sleeping on the couch in the living room, which is a sign of depression. And I got a Christmas tree, and I got lights for it, and that was all that was in the apartment. And um, it's like the,
1: where someone would get murdered.
2: Yeah, it really is. I mean, meaning I would lure someone back there to get murdered or someone is going to come and murder me. It could go either way. Because this is important. It
1: could go either way. (laughs) Which Which one happened?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the former. (laughs) Many times. Um, But, uh, and then I did a, um, my final project in ballet class was to choreograph, to, to get together with two friends and choreograph a dance. And it could be anything we wanted to do. And... In that spirit of trying to do something different, um, we we did the assignment really well, which was we we choreographed a ballet and we show and you had to show off several moves, and so the ballet was about we called it Eco Cycle, and it was about a um, a bird chasing a worm and a cat was chasing the bird and we just we just like
1: ba- life itself
2: yes the circle of life and halfway through the song Michael Jackson's Don't Stop Till You Get Enough started and we we did a lot of like more modern dance and And if it would have ended there it would have been great but we got the idea and it made us laugh till we were crying we thought it was so funny that Michael Jackson's song Don't Stop Till You Get Enough would end people would applaud and then the next track would start Michael Jackson's Rock With You <laughs> and then we would sit down and play a poker game <laughs> For as long as they let us. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was making us cry laughing how, how funny we thought and how groundbreaking this idea was of like, <laughs> we're just going to play poker and then see how long it takes. And we're, we were ready to go for as long as it took. Mm-hmm. It only took 60 seconds until the headmaster came up and said, this is over, cut off the music, and then invited me never to come back to the school again.
1: Wow. Well, but, did he think you were making a mockery of yes, the thing you were making a mockery of? Every
2: teacher thought I was making a mockery of stuff. I was just trying to liven stuff up and make it interesting, yeah. and everyone thought you're I like was... like
1: Kevin Bacon in their Footloose town. Yes, exactly. Thank you. You're I don't welcome. know what you're referring
2: to. <laughs> but, um, but every teacher... And finally, at the end of two years there, I remember one of the teachers came up to me. It was like, I think I get where you're coming from now. <laughs> And it was like sort of validation. And the reason I was there for two years is because um, the headmaster said, um, we want you not to come back next semester. And then I just showed up (laughs) anyway. And he saw me and said, welcome back and gave me a hug. I (laughs) always
1: wondered what would happen in situations like that if you just act like you didn't hear that news.
2: I just came back.
1: (laughs) But let's delve into that. Why?
2: Because I... To be honest, I think I was cowardly, and I didn't want to tell my parents that I was kicked out of a place. And so I just pretended that I wasn't.
1: It's interesting, because some would say that's brave to show up to the school that you've been kicked out of.
2: But it it was... It was both. I was more afraid of my parents having another disappointment in me than I was in... Showing up to a place and having them go, What are you doing here? Yeah. (laughs) For some weird reason. I don't know why.
1: So then you said another disappointment in you. Mm -hmm. Did you feel like you had disappointed them already?
2: Yeah, I, you know, I I grew up a pretty smart kid and and with a pretty high IQ, supposedly, and um, getting straight A grades until um, high school. And then I just started like flunking everything, flunking everything because I didn't like school anymore. And I just. What changed? um i just wanted to do like plays and stuff Mm -hmm. i just i didn't care about math anymore i didn't care about history i I wish now kind of uh i think about it a little bit now oh i'd like to go back to and take a few classes i've actually looked up classes at at la community college occasionally like oh is there a history class i could take because i feel like i could know more
1: it'd be funny if you were looking up classes at high schools
2: (laughs) hey i've done that (laughs) (laughs) they won't let me in um do you have that fantasy about going back to high
1: school no, I don't.
2: When did you grow out of it? Did you ever have it? Or did you just, it, it was in the rear view when you graduated and you never wanted to look back?
1: Yeah, I was so happy to not be there anymore. That, really? But college, I really loved college. So mm. college, I wouldn't mind. You ever it, like
2: drive by a college and kind of just go, eh, it'd be fun to go back?
1: I, whenever I'm, yes. I always think, I don't know, colleges have their, their whole, their own culture and their own, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like that feeling of I'm... I'm in someone else's collegiate culture. Mm-hmm. That actually makes me feel weird at this point. Yeah. But yeah, no. So you have that fantasy of going back?
2: Sometimes if, if I'll pass by a school and I'll see people coming out of it, I'll kind of go, I could fit in there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, my wife, when she first moved out here, she was going to fashion school. And if I ever had to drop her off, I would kind of look in there and go, I kind of miss this stuff. Just kind of being in class. You know,
1: know, it. I guess I do have nostalgia for a lot. of I have a mm-hmm. lot of nostalgia, and like I'm a kind of a sentimental, cheesy person, so I really? do have nostalgia for things from the past. But actually, if given the option to go back and, and have to be young again, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd want to do that.
2: I would like to go back and relive life not knowing anything that I know now and not making any different choice. <laughs> Because it's been pretty good to me. Right.
1: Ending up exactly the same <laughs> I just spot. want to do it again.
2: I don't know. I just want to be younger.
1: So you're, you felt like your parents were disappointed at what happened to your grades?
2: Yeah, pretty much. And so this school was kind of... I mean, they didn't even really want me to be an actor um, in the first place. So to what then they, fail at that would have
1: been... <laughs> what did they want you to be?
2: I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Just anything. Anything Something
1: different. Something more practical? Yeah, Is that like, Were you raised to be practical or...
2: I think they always kind of knew I wanted to be an artist, but they just didn't want me to go into that. They they were always you know very uh, cautious about that and mm-hmm. saying that it was a terrible business to try to break into. Um, at a certain point, my dad, as I started doing comedy in the 90s, said, <laughs> even then he wasn't giving it up, like, hey, you're doing comedy. He was just like, you know what? I don't really worry about you anymore because I think people like you and you'll land on your feet Whatever happens, if you fail at what you're doing now, you could probably get a job somewhere. And I thought that was a really nice that's, thing to say.
1: <laughs> something you'll never forget. I'll never forget that. <laughs> um so what I wanted to ask is this is this was the is other Mr. fork. Mr. Show question. Yeah, God, no, it's, Mr. Show it's not it's not even that it's one not yet. Even there. This is the other the fork that was heading off this way. Um when did you start uh, like wanting to parody things and when did you start noticing tropes and you know this stuff that that shows up in your humor so frequently like when did you start noticing the conventions of different forms of art i
2: i don't you know i i was really into i still say the naked gun is like the funniest movie i've ever seen um and i i really loved when i was a kid i loved weird al I love Pee Wee Herman and I love David Letterman. Those were like the three people that I loved. So, um, in, in, um, the eighties when I was in high school, I had a public access show and I, I just turned it into a shameless Letterman ripoff.
1: What was it called?
2: Uh, Centurion Highlights because (laughs) the Cypress Centurions, uh, were our mascots. Um, but I, I just kind of always like poking fun at stuff. And so, um, you know, I just, it, when I was in college, I remember one of the first things that I wrote for OCC uh, was in a Christmas play that we were doing. I did a Gift of the Magi um, parody where um, the woman shaved her hair um, to buy him something and he didn't buy her or anything and then broke broke up with her because she was bald. (laughs) Um, So I don't know. I was just kind of always interested in that, Um, but never thinking it could be a career really. Um, And weirdly, all the plays that I wrote, other than that, like I would write stuff like that and have a ball doing it. And I never thought that was what I would do. So when I wrote plays, they were all like these serious kind of mammoth plays in a Mm -hmm. way, like um, David Mamet or David Rabe type like angry guy kind of plays about dating and stuff like that. And I thought that's the only way that I could have had a career in writing Mm -hmm. because I didn't think, I thought the funny stuff that I was writing was just like goof around. You know, I couldn't see a career in it really.
1: And when did that change for you?
2: I, in 1995, I, um, was still writing these, and I'd written a pilot, um, that was very kind of David mamet influenced an hour long drama kind of with some humor. And I always thought like, okay, I'll I'll allow a little bit of humor into it of like, you know, sardonic humor, but the goofy stuff that I write, there's no audience for that. Um, and I gave it to a friend. It's for her to read. And she was a friend that I, I was in a play, uh, with and she had moved down here and, um, she read it and said, you know what? I just think it's terrible. Um, (laughs) and, uh, she goes, I don't know why, I just, you know, this isn't you. This I don't know why you're writing these things. She's like, you're really funny. Like, I li-, you know, I had written some dumb 25-minute play that was just super, super stupid. And they were like, my friends were like, that's the most you thing that you've ever done. And she's like, you're really funny. I don't know why you're wasting your time doing this stuff. She goes, tell you what, I have um, some friends I want you to come meet. And then I went and hung out with her. Um, because she knew some comedians. And so I went and hung out with her at a bar and I met Bob Odenkirk and he was like, you're a writer. Um, so what, uh, what kind of things do you write? I want to read it. He was always very supportive, you mm-hmm. know, even back then. Um, and then he's like, come see my show. And he gave me a card.
1: Oh my God. This is leading right into the question, isn't it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> he gave me a show for something called the cross Odenkirk problem. Oh, it's not. yet. Um, which, um, and it had, I think, I believe it had a picture from like a Chick tract. I don't know if you know what those are. Um, they're like l- religious comic books. Oh, yeah. I think, I think it had a picture from one of those and it had some jokes on it and it was like a sketch show. And I was like, mm, okay, fine. I don't know who this guy is really. And then my friend, her name is Maleva, um, she said, why don't you go and do comedy? Uh, my friend hosts a show You can get up. She'll let you on. Just go do some comedy. Um, And so I had that date in two weeks where I was supposed to see it. And in those two weeks, um, I went to go see The Cross Odenkirk Problem, which is the show they put on in order to get Mr. Show. So HBO bought Mr. Show from that. Um, And then I also saw an Andy Kaufman special on NBC that same week. And I was like, these two things, they're like, this is what I like. This is what I could do. Um, And it all became kind of like very clear to me of like, wow, these people are – making a living doing I didn't really know anything about Andy Kaufman at at the time until I saw that special I was like this is genius Um, you know fuck with the audience and Bob and David are you know cursing a lot and you know doing the kind of comedy that I don't see on TV I want to do this so um, yeah so I went up at that show which was hosted by Mary Lynn Rice Cub um, who people know from 24 as Chloe, and she was a performance artist doing comedy, and um, my friend and I did a thing together, um, and no one knew who we were, and we seemed really annoying, and then it it like destroyed, and it was really really funny.
1: What was the thing?
2: It we were portraying an improv group from oh, the it was valley, just the fun, the fun bunch, bunch. yeah. And we were we were an Im- we were an improv troupe, but there were only two of us. And we were ironically named the Fun Bunch because our things were never fun. <laughs> um, they would always end in just horrible things happening, and me crying, usually <laughs> with my pants around my ankles, and crying and leaving the room, saying, "I hate you, I fucking hate you," to my partner. Um, and he has a he he has a, a memory I know of, like because our our bits would always end with us splitting up and crying. um we were upstairs in the comedy store and he went downstairs and heard me do the final lines of the thing and get like a huge reaction meanwhile polly shore was on stage bombing (laughs) in the other room (laughs) and everyone in the audience like turned around like what's going on up there and he has like that imprinted in his memory but but yeah it was just like oh this is amazing i want to do this that react it was the same thing as when i was young and just getting that laugh and it was like okay when can we come back and my Mm -hmm. friend maleva and mary lynn was very kind and said yeah can you come back and do it in two weeks what
1: was the name of that show do you remember windows 95
2: (laughs) (laughs) which was a show i think for like three years and it just never was called anything different than windows 95 Mm. but at the time it was 1995 so it made sense
1: so then um so you were doing that. You were doing the comedy with the, a partner on yeah. stage, and then was Mister Show the next thing?
2: Yeah, because Bob, um, whom I had met, um, saw our second performance, and um, my partner had run off stage, and and he was in the very back, and so and that's where he ended up, and. Um, Bob was there and said to him, "Hey, you guys are really funny. Um,
1: do you do a David Cross as well?"
2: "Hey, man." <laughs> no, <I don't> <laughs> um, "Hey, you guys are really funny. Do you want to like, write I uh, have a show, Mr. Show. Do you want to write on it?" And you know, being one of the reasons that I started doing this, it was like, "Yes, I do." <laughs> um it took a while to get there but mm. um you know he's bobs like a super supportive dude who when he sees people being really funny who has sort of a similar sense of humor he likes to cultivate that so he took us under his wing and um would be in our shows, our sketch shows, and he would act in them and he would go up and intro If he wasn't in them, he was watching them and he would go up and introduce them and do some time before it, or he would do videos of ours and stuff for no reason other than he just like saw something he liked in us. Um, and the whole time I kept trying to, you know, say, Hey, remember what you said about writing on your show? And then um, three seasons went by. I thought I was going to write on the third season and it didn't happen. Um, and I was bummed, but the fourth season he they needed people, so I got on it then.
1: And what was that experience like, aside from meeting your wife to be?
2: Well, that's all I can really remember from it. <laughs> it's all a blur. No, it was great. I mean, I was super scared. I remember going in. I was I was talking to Andy Kindler about it beforehand. Um, and he was you know wishing me luck, and I, I was like, oh, I don't know, Andy, I think I'm gonna be the dude who like. I'm really good writing in my room by myself and like thinking up jokes and, and I'm just really nervous about being in that room with these people I admire and, and I'm not going to be able to speak, you know, I'm just going to be silent. Um, and then I think because of the personality I have literally the first day I was like, okay, here's what you need to do with the sketch. You need to (laughs) and like bossing everyone around. Um, Bill Odenkirk, I think in the Mr. Show book talks about how I am not silent at all about what I think.
1: the personality you have, being that you are not quiet or that you know it all, bossy. Oh, is that you? Yeah, I think okay.
2: so. Yeah, um, I think so. Uh, I'm very much, you know, just like, oh, I see what's wrong with this, and I just want to jump in and tell people. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's when uh, when people are reading a sketch and it ends, I just have this desire and need to be the first one to say, okay, I know how to fix this. Here's what it is. Even if you know, they
1: don't think there's anything wrong with it?
2: You, there's, you, there's always something. Okay. <laughs> when you have your own show, you really, yeah. there's always like something to fix. Right. So, And and what's weird is you would think that would be annoying, but when you have a show...
1: People probably just want solutions, right? People want that. Yeah. So
2: that, I, it became a very valuable thing to have me around because even if I wasn't right, um, and there are plenty of times where I'd be like heavily arguing a point and then figure out I was wrong later... But it's discussion and you need discussion. And the worst thing would be for someone to read a sketch and everyone goes, well, that's good. (laughs) And then it goes up on air and people are like, I wish this was better. You know, that was the thing about Mr. Show was, um, you know, it was born out of the writing process, at least, I think, was born out of Odenkirk's work on Saturday Night Live where he felt like, hey, why aren't we rewriting stuff? You know, you'd write something that week. It wouldn't get on the air. And then they'd throw it away. And he would be like, why don't we do it next week? Or why don't we rewrite it and make it better? And we, you know, and they would, the weird process over there, they're like, no, 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 that sketch is tainted now. We never want to see it again. You know, like they'll, they'll do stuff in dress that presumably is a waste
1: of a lot of sketches.
2: Yeah. And money. And, and so he was like, no, let's rewrite, rewrite, rewrite. So there would be sketches you would do 10, 12 drafts of. Um, And that it was, you know, it was a great experience, I think. And it taught me a lot about writing and about how to attack a problem comedically and how to say something in your work, you know, like they're very concerned with that of like, we can't do something just we can't do something offensive just to offend people. We have to be saying something. What are we saying? Um, And and a lot of the discussion would always come down to that. Of Like, what are we saying? What are we trying to say? Mm -hmm. What's our point? And the more you talk about a point, the more you can go, hey, what if we attacked it this way?
1: With Comedy Bang Bang, do you find yourself doing that thought process? The TV show?
2: Yes, actually. Which is, would be very surprising to people who have watched it, I think. Because it's so stupid. but um,
1: cover it, stupid. Uh,
2: yeah, but...
1: <laughs> no, I don't think it's stupid.
2: It's silly. <laughs> it's silly. And you would go, well, what are you trying to say? And I think people would be surprised how much we talk about that in the writer's room. Um, because... Comedy can can very easily slip into parody mm-hmm. as opposed to satire, um, and there's a fine line and distinction between them. And I think, um, for instance, um, the musical episode that we did, we did a musical episode, um, I wrote probably five drafts of it, and it was just parody. And uh, it was just like, okay, well, here's our first the, guest. The and- difference
1: being that Satire makes a statement and parody doesn't. Pa- parody just like is just up. like, "Hey,
2: look at this. Yeah, yeah. it's a send-up. Look at this reference. Right. Look at what we're doing. We're doing and in that case it was like, "Look, we're doing a musical. Mm. Hey, this is like that song in Little Shop of Horrors or this is like that song in Chess." Right. Um and so I wrote about five drafts of just that and I was just really struggling with it. I was just like, "I don't I don't want to do this if there's no reason to do it." And it literally was just like our female guest comes out and we sing a suddenly Seymour type song, you know, and there's no reason for anything. And so a lot of what we do and what we did with that episode was like, say, what, what are we trying to say with this? It can be stupid what we're trying to say, but what are we trying to say? Um, because there needs to be some sort of forward momentum. Otherwise you're just parroting stuff. So once we finally figured out, Hey, okay, well let's do, this is a talk show. What if, it wasn't a talk show, it was a singing show. What if this is the very first talk show that is no one talks on it, everyone sings? <laughs> and that was like the kernel of the idea and it developed into what it was. But but I find that a lot on the show is, there are certain episodes that are just dumb where we're like, hey, let's parody the X-Men. And we'll make an analogy of like, oh, it's musicians instead of mutants. But But then for a lot of them, it'll be like, okay, well, what are we trying to say? Or how do you add like an emotional component to it that at least gives me or the band leader a a storyline that we can cling on to of like emotional arcs Mm -hmm. and change happening instead of just like being sardonic or flatlining. This is so technical. Do I sound like a professor?
1: (laughs) No, I think it's really interesting though. I mean, the the structure of the shows, and that's something that makes me think of Mr. Show, um, to use the word show twice, Mm -hmm. is so intricate. I mean, Mr. Show was more like a, maybe like, a mosaic almost of like these things dovetailing. And, and you know, your yeah. show is a, a, maybe a, a, a bit more linear, but still there still is like an intricate structure to it.
2: Yeah. Each has their own structure and there's there's a certain way that they're put together that, that like we know on Mr. Show and we, we know on Comedy Bang Bang. And, and it all is about cards and length of sketches and it's like a formula. It's like making a mix CD or something where mm-hmm. you go, okay, well – and both shows are similar. Like, okay, we have all these pieces here. They're all in cards. Let's put them up in the board in the structure that we know. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think a lot of people would watch Comedy Bang Bang and go, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. It's all over the place. But we we know very specifically what we're doing and where it's going and why it's in each position and and which act needs to have like, oh, well, this the primary conflict needs to be you know put in I was just doing that before I came over here with the writers like okay well I see well you've put the primary conflict into act 2 you can't do it that late because people are going to be wondering all of act 1 what is this sh- thing that I'm watching you mm-hmm. need to give something for people to hold on to early so that they can relax and go oh okay there's a problem well by the end they'll solve it you know stuff like that
1: and is that something you learned from writing sincere plays <laughs>
2: <laughs> No actually not at all I I I think as far as comedy goes, I learned how to attack something comedically from Mister Show. As far as story structure, I wrote a lot of movies after Mister Show, and I, I worked at like Imagine um, for a year in their writers' lab and stuff. And so, I, I and reading a lot of screenplay books and and mm. stuff like that. And I'm, I produce shows now um, through my production company, so I'm constantly giving notes about story structure and stuff like that. That a lot of comedians don't pay any attention to, but I think it's really important.
1: Right. So going back to Mr. Show for a second, there was a photo that got some press of a bunch of the writers. Again, like a Mr. Show reunion photo and there's speculation about that or there, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's speculation or there is, is there a Mr. Show reunion? I mean, happening? I, I
2: want to be secret about it, but I have to say like David and Bob are not secret about it at all. <laughs> you know? Like, right.
1: That's why in the course of saying it, I'm like, but wait, I read that there is a sh- a. Sh- I, uh, at I, least one show, right? That's going to be taped. Or something? I can't
2: give any details about it, but and and I can't say what it is. But um, obviously, we got go to on. Get, we, <laughs> but <laughs> the end, um, no. But uh, I mean, obviously, we got together and we're getting together and we're putting together something. Um, but it's those guys' announcement, I think, to control. But I think in a, very soon something will be announced.
1: Okay. Well, we, we, we'll all um, be waiting for that. Really?
2: Were you, did you watch that show? I did. You, yes. Yeah. I
1: loved that show. And there's an event that I suspect both of us were at. Oh, what's that? Um, There was a season something finale party. Four,
2: probably. Was it at the LA? Uh, yeah, and it was Yola Super Tango. Chunk. And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Peter Bagg did the poster for it.
1: Okay. So I didn't even remember that. But I was mm-hmm. um I was a stringer for Rolling Stone and oh. I did stuff for the random notes section. Okay. And so I was there interviewing a bunch of people. Oh cool. Um, Who did you interview? I gosh, I talked to Jack Black, I talked to Ben Stiller. He was quite standoffish. Mm, um so because sorry. that's okay. As was Bill Maher. You know what it was? I was um I was young. I was very young. Mm-hmm. And they you know, at these events they would often assign a publicist to you. And that was supposed to be your go-between. Like the
2: HBO publicist who would take you around. Yes. And, yeah, yeah.
1: I don't know where I got this ridiculous idea that I can do it better on my own. Because oh, okay. I had just covered the VMAs and it was a similar situation and I just did it on my own and I got a ton of really good quotes. Right. So for whatever reason, I... That was
2: in your mind. And so yeah, you just thought you would approach people And just say, cold. hey,
1: I'm with Rolling Stone. Could I get a quote? Um, which for the most part worked. Right. But I remember Ben Stiller was like, are you sure you're with Rolling Stone, and it's not that you just want to be with Rolling Stone?
2: Uh, okay. <laughs> and well. then I
1: was like, "No, I'm pretty sure." And then he, you know, he was very like. Then he saw my tape recorder, and then he kind of begrudgingly did talk to me. Okay. But um, but
2: yeah, usually there, there's a reason someone is introducing you. Yes,
1: whatever. I really right. I look back on that and I think that was dumb of me. Yeah. Um, although for you know, like like Bob and David were super. Most, oh, I'm sure Bob they would David prefer were super cool. that- Trey and Matt. Um, we're super cool. Right. But you know, Kevin I Nealon, mean, Janine Garofalo, Vince Vaughn, almost everyone was super cool at the time. This just is this,
2: but at the time, like who's the most successful and who's probably constantly getting right. asked for quotes right. or constantly getting asked for favors or, yeah. you know what I mean? So like Bob and David are psyched because it's like someone wants to talk about the show. Yeah. I mean, no one would do any press on the show or no one would, would write articles about it or really, you know, or that's all it was subsiding on was articles that one or two times a year, a Rolling Stone would write an article about Mr. Show and go, Hey, everyone should watch this. And then everyone would ignore it, Mm -hmm. you know? So it was like, I'm sure they were psyched about it.
1: Well, that's, you know, that thing of wanting to go back to high school. I don't want to go back to high school, but Mm -hmm. I would go back to that, that party. period that party oh, just that just one that party. party yeah Let's go. And I would, <laughs> Let's, we can go to the
2: l-ray together if <laughs> and you want I would use
1: that what i was asked i would say hey publicist i will mm. let you take me and around. just for
2: ben stiller because it sounds like everyone else was now bill su- maher
1: was kind of a dick too
2: well you know
1: right (laughs) two
2: people in one party and then you got jack black vince vaughn and matt and trey and bob and david come on you're you you count that in the w column yeah
1: okay i will you're doing great i will um what was i going to say there's so many things i still want to ask but Mm. but there's so much we have to get to but first i want to talk about snacking okay great life is hectic sometimes it's hard to make the best snacking choices especially when you're hungry and looking for a quick pick me up do what i do get delicious and healthy snack options at naturebox.com NatureBox,
2: of course that's what i do We
1: both go to nature box. We both go to nature box. Over a hundred nutritionist approved snacks. Nature Box has something for everyone. What about the sriracha uh uh, uh, roasted cashews? Yeah. Nature box. I love those. I love the pistachio power clusters. Mm. I love the big island pineapple. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that someone on Twitter told me that I'm pronouncing sriracha wrong because I was saying sriracha. There was an extra your E in there?
2: Well, you're giving them an extra E in there. That's right.
1: Like, well, who are they to scoff? For the amount of time I'm saying it, it's in people's heads even more, you Yeah, know?
2: exactly. I mean, they're remembering it. Surya
1: cha-cha-cha. There. <laughs>
2: there. Hey, extra chas. I think I n-
1: <laughs> nailed it that time. <laughs> I want to give you guys the chance to try NatureBox for free with a trial box featuring five of their most popular snacks. You heard me. Free snacks. Start your fri- trial, excuse me, start your free trial right now going to naturebox.com Allison. Again, that or is NatureBox. NatureBox. com slash allison slash bang bang just slash allison
2: (laughs) Ooh, boy this is uncomfortable all right i'll give it to you
1: naturebox.com slash allison and then you can get your free trial box of snacks from naturebox the stuff works slash allison
2: let me tell you it's good stuff
1: it is really good okay so 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 much to talk about but i read that you are a, a really big password fan Not password. uh, Uh, Pyramid. pyramid, That's Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So so we have mocked up a little pyramid game. Oh, I love it. Jeff, producer Jeff, Colonel Jeff, Chef Jeff. We haven't decided on his nickname yet. I like Chef Jeff. Well, because I've been referring to this as dining room studios. Mm -hmm, So we're like, mm -hmm. because Colonel Jeff Fox is what he's referred to. On other podcasts. Oh, okay. But since it's like dining room studios, I thought maybe we need a restaurante type name. Okay. Chef Jeff. And it just works, Chef Jeff. Yeah,
2: Chef Jeff. I like it. So
1: Chef Jeff has put together a little something pyramid style.
2: Okay. Do we have the theme song?
1: Oh yes.
2: This just gets you right in the mood. <laughs>
0: Bam, bam. Welcome to the $10,000 Pyramid with today's guests from Comedy Bang Bang, Scott Aukerman. And from Alison Rosen is your new best friend, Alison Rosen. <laughs> what happens now?
1: <laughs> so that's it.
0: Oh, oh, the theme song comes back. Good. Now we play the game. Uh, Since there are only two contestants, we're going to do the bonus round version. Oh, great. Okay.
1: I'm not as familiar, although I'm getting up to speed. Okay.
0: Well, I'm obliged to tell you the rules, (laughs) so bear with me. (laughs)
1: Appreciate the announcer voice.
0: Thank you. Uh, This is his normal voice, though. I I really enjoy it. I feel like I'm putting Daniel out of a job.
1: (laughs) That's my husband. He has announcer voice. He has announcer
0: voice. Does he really?
1: (laughs) Only on Tonight on Announcements.
0: Tonight on Announcements. (laughs) It's
1: Daniel. (laughs) It's Daniel.
0: There are six subjects. Name them in order. Please use only a list. If you get stuck, you can always come back and do it later. We ask you not to use your hands. We repeat once again, you give it a list. Now for $10,000, here's your first subject. Am I giving or receiving?
1: You give first, I think. Okay, I'll give first. Because I know that you feel like you're better at that, right? I,
2: I do pretty well with giving. So. Okay. okay I am I'll not try look- to receive well. Okay, here we go. Let me know when... Uh... Time is starting. Start now. The turkey. The play settings. Hi, I am a bird and I can talk. Uh, What does a
1: parrot say? Things a parrot says.
2: A ruler.
1: Things in school. A desk set.
2: A yardstick.
1: Things to measure with.
2: A (laughs) mouse.
1: A, shit in your apartment. A bean. Small things. Things you count. Small things. <laughs> the bean.
2: cows.
1: Stuff on a farm. The stuff in hay. Stuff I'm allergic to. Uh
2: the hay. The cows. Stuff the, in a The, barn, the, the stuff lofters. On a farm. Your eye.
1: Things in your face, things that roll around, things mm, that
2: your eye that appear,
1: things mm, that look
2: your eye, things
1: that look to the side, Johnny Cash,
2: can't. Johnny Cash,
1: things in black.
2: Mm. Mm. Time is up. Mm.
1: What, what what was that one? Are we? Uh, if say? you
2: were Dick Clark, Jeff, you would come over and give me a oh, massage, yeah. <laughs> or no, give her a massage. Actually, get and a little you, too cozy, and you would get, and you would give your clue, which is so much better than mine. I would say uh, a small child. Your eye. Things. For the listener, by the way, my eye was. A river. A river. I was pretending to look at a beautiful woman and going,
1: hmm. Oh.
2: Things things that you
1: gaze at? Things that are cute?
2: Things that wander.
1: Oh. You were trying to make your eyes wander. Yes.
2: But hey, we got all of them except for the $10,000. I'm so sorry.
1: Oh, Johnny Cash, things that wander. Yeah,
2: the wanderer. that's, That's a good
1: one. Yeah. Ah, but I, you know
2: what, I think I, I, those, if you only give those two things, a little password tip, it's two disparate things, you can't find the connection, whereas if you're like, a kid, uh, you know, like, that's, that's the better way to go, is things that actually are wandering around, you know,
0: without getting too specific, anyway. This is why you're the pro, and that's why that was the hardest question. Mm -hmm. Allison, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm excited. Start now.
1: Things that happen at a wedding. Oops, that's not how oh, to do it. Oh, <laughs> boy. Let me
0: just tell you, this
2: is probably... You've gotten off on the wrong foot here.
1: <laughs> I phrased it wrong. Let me start over again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm, okay, well, we can start over. I'm pretty sure I know what the first one is. <laughs> no,
1: you don't, though. Oh, okay. No. Okay, it's just a list of things. Right, okay. right. All right. Um, weddings. Uh, in a musical... Um, fame school, uh, uh, the cha-cha, the waltz, th-
2: where people, things where places where people dance.
1: The cha-cha, the waltz, the oh, fox dances. Try.
2: Dances. Yes. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> All right.
1: I am extremely tall, and I have a long neck, and that allows me to eat. Uh, what these. a draft would say. Yes. Oh, sorry. Um, irreconcilable irreconcilable differences.
2: Drew Barrymore movies. <clears throat>
1: uh, a af- uh, reason to get affair. divorced. Oh, um butter, ice cream, uh, dairy cake. products,
2: uh, desserts. Um, uh, things that are sweet. Hard. Things that have fat in them. Things that come from a cow.
1: Uh, chips, Th-
2: things that have fat, things that are fatty, things that have Calori- that calorie have milk.
1: dense food. Oh.
2: Fuck. Uh yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Move on to the next one.
1: Oh. Oh. Um t- Do we have a pass?
2: You can pass. Yeah, pass. Okay. But keep it for when we come back. Um. Time is up. <laughs> <laughs> we spent a lot of time on that last one, I have to oh. say. What was the one that I did not get? I got fattening foods. I, th- I, I would like have, food. you know what? When I said things that have a lot yeah. of fat in them, you would have gotten that. So we yeah. could have moved on. So can okay. we get an extra uh, 15 seconds on the clock?
1: Oh, good. Okay. All
2: right. All right. Here we go. So we've passed that one. Here we go.
1: A hilly road. Um,
2: things that you climb, things that are steep,
1: uh, it slows you down speed. Mm. Um, this is
2: just a list of things,
1: right? Um, um, your head after someone bangs it with a, a frying pan in a cartoon. Things that are
2: bumpy. Things. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. And do you want to go back to the one that oh, you yeah, passed? Left. Yeah. Okay. Cause
1: we're not, the FCC is sure. not cracking down on this game nope. show. Okay. Although. Um,
2: now they better start. Right. All right. Here we go.
1: According to your parents, taxes. Uh, um, things
2: that are dependent. <clears throat> uh, uh, reasons the to pr- be a prices
1: dependent. in in this day and age.
2: Oh, uh, 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 complaining about inflation. Um, inflation. Just things saying the in, Things are inflated. Things are inflated. Okay. The, in that, you would say like a balloon. Uh, what's that, what's the value that? of a dollar. Mm. That's like you got to list things. Right. Anyway. You would you would have been buzzed out on that, but that's okay. I would have Wait.
1: buzzed out on the first one when I said things that happen at a wedding. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I really I really made dances much more complicated than it needed to yeah, be. Yeah, you're saying
2: what what is that what it was that you were saying the ch- it was just dances.
1: Yes, I should have just well finally what I wrote just dances, yeah, yeah, as opposed to uh, musicals. So anyway. <laughs> that was but great. We're fun. a great team.
2: <laughs> wow. I would love to do that professionally with you at some point.
1: I could get better. Give me time, I promise, because I'm very, very good at taboo. You're
2: you're very bright, and uh, you're good with words, and you had a lot of good uh, – once you learn the parameters in which you have to work, you would be very good at it.
1: Thanks. Do you play taboo? I don't. Do you know it?
2: I know it a bit. I remember it's playing similar. it. It's similar. Is it really? Yeah.
1: They give you a card with a word that you're trying to get the other person to say. And you but can there's say a anything of,
2: but the words that are listed Yeah, on there's that. a bunch of. Right. But
1: they're the most. Op- like yeah. for the giraffe one, it would be you neck, can't say neck or animal, tall or anything like right, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fun. Yeah.
2: Okay. This is the Toys R Us mascot. See? Boom. Right. You got it.
1: There you go. Unless it said Toys R Us. Then oh, you know, boy. Toys Ruzzer, which that would be taboo. Sometimes it could. It oh, taboo.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um all right the, we have a segment that we do called just me or everyone where people write in and they wonder is it just me or is it everyone and there's a song Sometimes i something i
0: have thought or done
1: is it just me or everyone
2: Who did that song
1: that is Trap Dog, who does the music for my show. Oh, fantastic.
2: Great work, Trap Dog.
1: Thank you. I say thank you on his behalf. Uh, King Kiefer says, just me or everyone, dog licks my feet after I get out of the shower and I'm cool with it. Hashtag foot massage.
2: So is this gentleman wondering if
1: everyone everyone's dog
2: licks the feet or is everyone cool with it?
1: He wonders if everyone's dog licks his feet. No, he is wondering. <laughs> well, okay. Wow. Um. Yeah, I think... I my interpretation of this would be he's wondering: Does everyone feel this way? I that see. like they're okay with their dog licking their feet? Because after I get would out of the say shower.
2: my dog doesn't even lick my feet when I get out of the shower. Really? So yeah, I've never heard of such a thing.
1: Really? really, Wendy licks my legs when I get out of the shower. Really? She wants? Yeah, I think she wants the water.
2: She wants the water. Just give your dog
1: water. No, I, Put well, it in I a bowl. only let her lick the water off of me. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Is that this wrong? Poor
2: dog. Yeah. I have to call the ASPCA here <laughs> on you.
1: We just, yeah, that's just how we do it. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, she always likes to, to lick my skin after the shower. Hmm.
2: Interesting. I've never, I mean, I have a male dog, and that would be gay shit.
1: <laughs> right. No homo. Makes sense. Emily Pitt fan says, I don't think I've ever reversed anything that's been marketed as reversible. What's the appeal there? Hashtag just mirror everyone. Not even a belt? I think reversible belts are more for dudes. Well there aren't that many reversible belts for women. Really. And, well, And maybe... the purpose
2: of a reversible belt is because of color. Is that yes. true? That's I, right. I mean, having a black belt and a brown belt, it's In just one? such a responsibility. <laughs> Two belts? Who needs it? Just make right. one reversible belt. Right. Okay. Also, reversible jackets. I can kind of get that because when you're wearing a jacket and you have stinky pits, it's like, what, do you want to turn that around and make everyone else smell it? You know? I don't know.
1: Is that what? I mean, that's. I guess that's what you do.
2: I guess that is what you do if you have right. a reversible jacket, right? Yeah. Um, what else is reversible? Can you I think of re- anything else? I had
1: a reversible duvet cover in okay. college, but like she's saying, I pretty much just chose one side of it, and I was like, I prefer this side, so I will never reverse it. But occasionally, I'd be like, What if I've got a whole bo- other duvet? Yeah, what if in here? you liked
2: both sides? But that, and think, you could constantly be flipping and flipping.
1: I mean, I think I'm projecting, but yeah, I think usually you just like one of the reversible things better.
2: That's true, maybe one color. But f- with a black and brown belt, I got to say every once in a while you you know, you can't wear a black belt with brown shoes. Right. You know? Well, hence
1: the belt. Yeah. I mean, hence the reversible belt.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, you know what? I got to say, give me a belt that's reversible. Everything else can go kick rocks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tillbilly says, "Love my king-size bed but hate king-size pillows. Always have to find matching standard pillowcases." Huh? Oh, so wait, she has to find So standard- she doesn't
2: like she? Is it or is it he? It's
1: tailbilly. I feel like it's a she. I don't know, though.
2: Are you just saying that because it's about beds? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Look, we have to talk to you about Domestic your. Do men sleep in beds, too? <laughs> yeah. We have to talk to you about your feminism. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you are not a good feminist at this point. It's because it's about, it's about uh, uh, sheets and, and bedding. You think it's a woman.
1: Or I just have an innate sense of my audience, and mm, I just okay. feel who the who and what they could, are. Could be.
2: Could be. Um, I could be wrong. That's interesting to not like big pillows. I sort of get that. But then wouldn't your pillows, would you need three regular-sized pillows I, yeah, I think to you be... do,
1: because we now have a king-size bed, mm-hmm. but we didn't supersize our pillows, and we okay. have three pillows going across. Three across. across. Yes. Okay, and how
2: do you split that middle pillow, the mid-pill?
1: Well- Wendy, our dog, often sleeps in it. We have a very intimate relationship. <laughs> okay.
2: Well, my dog slept with me and my wife for several years, and we finally said, no, he's got to be dead. Is he, he okay just, with that? He's not. I mean, every, you know, now he's fine, and he goes to bed, and in the morning, um, now he knows that in the morning, my wife will let him come up, so he whines in the morning. But he's he doesn't whine going to bed anymore. So where does know? he sleep now? He sleeps in his bed, which is right by the bed. Um, but I, it's just, we were just not sleeping Yeah, just because our dog likes to be on top of the covers for a bit and then mm. gets cold and goes under and then gets hot and comes back and it's just constant, constant, yes. constant. And I think Patton Oswald had told me that if you sleep with your dog, you're just getting terrible sleep. So we just said, we, we have to get him down there.
1: We've thought about trying to get her out of the bed mm-hmm. it's just there's part of part of it is that we actually like her in there oh but sure i love it's great, my dog it's in great there. in the beginning but yeah then, but at night it's yeah. like shut up yeah yeah and like you're on my pillow and I, this is where i want to be yeah um, and my
2: dog loves to burrow into like my butthole basically mm-hmm. <laughs> like he just likes to be like get right up in there and that's and and because we figured out i think he likes to touch someone while he's sleeping so that he knows the geography of mm-hmm. all participants so that he Aww. doesn't get like rolled on or something so he always he just likes to be like right up against my thighs and it was just you know I couldn't roll over for for fear of squishing him so the
1: first few nights that you didn't let him in the bed though was he going nuts I you know
2: what every once in a while um especially when I would visit my parents um when it would be snowing um they I think it was just a purely like, I'm freezing down here. And, and he would just like, ju- he would make mighty leaps <laughs> and get up there, you know. But he's fine now. Yeah. And
1: also, if you guys want to have kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um,
2: did she say that on this podcast?
1: Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, she told me that she had just bought some um, ovulation sticks. Off what? From Amazon. She did? Mm-hmm. Did you, you, you must, come on. Yeah, I know. Yeah, my yeah. husband and I are trying to get pregnant as well. Oh. But anyway, the, the idea of... Once a baby comes, then dog in the bed. Having to deal with that and, yeah, and the dog, yeah, she's, it's just madness. Exactly. It's like,
2: get everyone out of there. You know, I I think separate bedrooms for a man and a wife, too. You know what I mean? It's like, right. why do I got to deal with her shit in the middle of the night? Yeah. You know? Just go, you know? And separate houses. If you have enough money, treat yourself. Get a yeah, separate house. separate
1: house. Because you know what? You can always go to dinner together. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: And that's what marriage <laughs> is all about <laughs> is dinners.
1: Dinner. <laughs> Uh, I see we see eye to eye on a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, Vegetois says, <laughs> just me or everyone, prefer people not pronounce the T in often or often. Hashtag so pretentious. Yeah, I've got a... Who's
2: p- this, a guy or a girl?
1: This is also in a your, girl.
2: You think it's a girl? I do. For some reason, I think it's a guy because it's like a a dude taking a stance on something that who cares about. I don't see a lot of women like taking stances like this. Like, Oh, I'm so upset that someone is saying often
1: till Billy and vegetois. What are you? What are
2: you? And that, and that may be uh, totally, uh, uh, sexist of me to, to assume that, uh, Women don't get upset well, over stupid shit. Well, this
1: segment is kind of like take a stand. Okay, you know, so people oh. will they'll be like, wait, do I have a a, a stand a feeling about that? Yes, I do. I'm going to write Some that one in. You know, yeah. yeah. So, um, I, you know, I went to school with someone whose last name was Dutton, and she always pronounced it Dutton, and mm. she would have said Often, and My it was
2: supervisor says, um, it's from a certain place. I don't know what it is, but says, um, that that. Double T, saying it like that is very button. interesting. To, yeah, yeah, button. Uh, oh, did you sew on your button? It's very it's very weird to me.
1: It's, a, It sound, it comes across as affected.
2: But it's not. It's just, I think, it's from a certain place right. that all of these people are from. When affected was, town.
1: <laughs> Affectedville? Yeah. Right. It's next to Levittown. Yeah. Um, B. Slammon says, that made no sense. It was just a reference to a town. B. Slammon says, I wonder, what's with freeze? Excuse me. I wonder, what's with freezer burn? How does ice grow upwards, and why is it considered a burn? Um, I have not spent a lot of time thinking about freezer burn. Is
2: that like the thing that grows in your ice cream?
1: To me, freezer burn is when you eat something that has been in the freezer too long, it's and it has that like... F-
2: it's instead of...
1: Is that freezer burn? What? I think a freezer burn is, is when it, it tastes like, you know, that like, oh, this oh. tastes like the freezer, or it tastes yeah. like something that's been in, tastes like onion from being in the freezer for too yeah, long. Yeah, what is that? That's freezer burn, I think.
2: Okay, I eat out every meal. I'm a rich Hollywood star.
1: When you and your wife reconvene from your separate houses?
2: Also, I have a private chef I should mention.
1: Oh, <laughs> figures. Titan 723 says, just me or everyone, hates when people say first annual. Cannot be annual until it's happened at least once.
2: Hey. Now, is
1: that true? Because you could say this is our first annual meeting with the intention of with the being. With the intention.
2: That's how I think that they are. Right. It, it's like a promise of hope. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, why? Why does anyone say, "Hey, we're having a baby"? You don't know if you're having a baby. You could die in the next nine months. You know, like, right? Like, you know, safe first annual. It's exactly like having a baby.
1: <laughs> it's our first annual baby. Yeah, it's if you our- planned to, like, if you want to have a lot of kids, <laughs> we're having
2: one every year for the next twenty five <laughs> years. Oh boy,
1: Joel Zarep says this just- is
2: obviously a woman.
1: You can even tell from the picture of a dude. Mm -hmm. Is it just me or everyone correcting a typo through text? I write the whole message again to make sure they understand where I messed up. I have a real issue with this. So, like, you're texting someone and you put in the wrong uh, word. You put in
2: the wrong word, yeah.
1: And most people will just write the corrected word underneath. But I feel the need to write, "I meant to say this," or like to do the sense again because I'm afraid they won't know where I intend it to go.
2: Right. Um. Usually, I think the wrong word is usually the end of the text. You know why? Because you finish a word and then you press send and then you realize it's the wrong word. And then that's why people just write back that word is like, oh, obviously, I mean that last word that I misspelled.
1: See, I will sometimes put the wrong word. Like I just sent a text today where the wrong word was the second word.
2: And why why didn't you know it was are you not looking at your text? I I before? guess I'm
1: not. Like I just I I reread it and I was like, "Oh, I have the complete wrong word." Or it could be autocorrect that does that.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. You but
1: only miss you only write. I'm usually the wrong word reading on the my texts
2: text. as I write them. So if a word is incorrect, Fancy. I will go back and use the backspace function, Right. which does your phone have a backspace nope. function? No. Nope. No, my uh, phone this is my issue. phone only
1: looks forward. Has <laughs> a forward space? <laughs> yeah.
2: This is the issue. You need to get a backspace yeah
1: where can you, is that an app is that some kind of app <laughs> yeah, you can the download backspace app
2: squarespace
1: uh, vc perk says when i get my teeth cleaned i want that clean feeling to last forever but i eat right away hashtag morning appointments um i generally find the feeling after getting my teeth cleaned to be both clean and gritty and but unpleasant. it's also just
2: plaque it's not eating stuff it's not like you're eating stuff in the and the food as far as i know i'm no dentist and mm. i don't pretend to be one <laughs> Although I would if you paid me enough. But um, it's just plaque normally just kind of uh, accumulates. So it's not from eating something like, oh, man, I just ate something and I have cookie crumbs all over my teeth. No, just lick your goddamn teeth, you fucking savage.
1: Right. You'll get them right back to that slimy, just clean feeling.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But it's no, just like within an hour, plaque, I think, accumulates. Right. um, And uh, there's just no way around it.
1: You know, at this point, it's been, I don't know how long. It's been. Yes. But too long. Oh no. <laughs> Flagpole Sitter?
2: Mhm. Bare Naked Ladies. You're thinking Harvey Danger. Yes. This is Bare Naked Ladies one week.
1: Okay. Mhm. Okay. But they're still clustered in in they're they're together in terms yeah. of songs I don't Look, want in my. you were a head. stringer
2: for Rolling Stone. You obviously a lot of music back then was rattling around right. your brain. The silverware in your brain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all the the forks are all humming mm-hmm. what i was going to say was uh it's been too long since i've had my teeth cleaned i've just allowed time because my dentist is still in orange county what Th- i know why they don't have any dentists in los angeles what kind of
2: insurance do you have
1: what are you talking about I there's no dentist I'm, the- I'm joking they, oh, okay. I actually have decent insurance now i should just find a new dentist Just find
2: someone up here yeah. it's just
1: fear of new people
2: you know what that is it, that is a very common fear it's just like I don't know what it's going to be even like. Start, yeah. It literally, will take you ten minutes, right? But I, I have that fear a lot of just like uh, I don't. Uh, I have to sign up for a website. I don't know what questions they're going to ask me, <laughs> so you just don't do it, and, right? But it's in the back of your mind, yes. like things like that. Literally, take five minutes. You could find a dentist. You could ask someone. You could on be on Twitter and be like, "Is there a dentist out there that's good?" You could ask a friend. They would go, "Oh yeah, I go here." You would go right. there. It would take five minutes. And and you'd almost be like, everyone oh, this has my teeth. New Almost, yeah. Almost,
1: yeah. I should do that. I should do that. It's ridiculous to schedule appointments around when do I want to drive an hour and 10 minutes.
2: Yeah, it's ridiculous. Just find someone. If, I know a dentist who is who is right over there that I used Just to go right to until there. I moved. Yeah. I don't and you'd recommend give this person? Yes, for the most part. I don't want to give away your location. Right. Yeah.
1: But now they know I'm near a dentist. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, Blarb Blarb says, sucks in super hard when stepping on the scale and then reweighs if lucky enough to have a morning poop. Well, the sucking in thing... Sucking in thing, you're taking in any, air. You're right. right. You're, you're like ide- actually yeah. adding weight. Right.
2: Aren't you? You What you want to do is exhale.
1: I think it's going to be the same either way. Yeah,
2: probably. It maybe. But- I
1: understand the holding... Like, sometimes I'll hold my breath, though, when I step on the scale, just because I'm like, oh, please... that's a real chick thing
2: yeah but but taking the poop yeah i think that does that that sometimes will take a pound out
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then you have to think wow all that was just in there
2: yeah i know when you think about it
1: when you think sometimes when you really what about when you ejaculate like oh you should weigh yourself before and after too
2: i'm but that's the thing aren't you creating ejaculate like you're formulating that stuff into goop Right. You know, and then when you get rid of it, are you really lighter or did you create that stuff and you're just getting rid of it and you're, it's in zero sum balance? Well,
1: what's at that point? the time difference between like the lag, the sperm mm-hmm. lag between when it's created and when it's offloaded? I don't know.
2: That's a great question. I
1: think <laughs> it's kind of always, ready you think it's go, always right? just, just in there? I, th- I think. You think it's create, you think it's like made to order? Well, isn't it the more, <laughs>
2: I mean, and not to be, um, indelicate here but the longer you fuck the more you got
1: is that true i think right have you noticed that to be the case i
2: think so the, the longer you're in there i think the more sperm you're accumulating and just then it's like blasting everywhere huh i think i don't know chef jeff what do you got cooking in there <laughs> don't look at me
1: <laughs> are you talking about the amount of sperm or like the quantity of ejaculate
2: i think don't they go hand in hand
1: I don't know. I think that if
2: there's more ejaculate there would be more sperm.
1: I actually don't know. I don't know if you could have like, wow, look at all that ejaculate, there's only a few sperm in there. <laughs> I don't
2: think that's possible. You mean it's like a few sperm just like covered in in, in
1: seminal fluid or something. I don't know. know.
2: I think it's you think I, I would think you're know. creating that stuff and the longer you go, your your um a, a man's testicles are uh, turning straw into gold, Stiltskin style, <laughs> <laughs> and and if you go like a good forty five minutes, it's just like pew 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 everywhere. Whereas if like you're in there for two minutes and you're just going, oh sorry, mm. aka sex, right? <laughs> um, then. It's a smaller amount, I think. I Look, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a dentist, but I'm taking stands on these issues.
1: That's good. That's what people want these days. They mm-hmm. want strong opinions. Strong leadership, even yeah. if I don't know
2: what I'm talking about.
1: I read something where someone was talking about shooting ropes, and that I thought was kind of a disgusting what way of putting it. shooting ropes? Oh, like, me,
2: oh, I see. God, I, mean, I don't
1: even know what...
2: I've talked about some disgusting stuff up to this point, but that, I draw the line there.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Um, my gosh. What else? The, you're just going to have to come back one of these days. Okay, Because there's so much other stuff to talk about. There's Earwolf. There's Between Two Ferns. There's you talking to you two to me. There's there's the fact that you sang background vocals on some Vandal songs.
2: Sure. Do yeah, you want to talk about
1: any? It, it's, what do you want to talk about?
2: I'll talk about anything. Okay. Do you, I mean, but are we out of time? I We're can almost go, out of time. I can go as long as you want, though. So... You're Hit just, me. You're
1: just cooking, cooking it inside. Now we're cooking with petrol.
2: <laughs> all
1: right. Well, so let's talk about Earwolf. Okay. How did that all come about?
2: Earwolf uh, is a podcast network. Is this show on a network? No, or, oh, I yeah. I'm independent at this you're point. You're independent. Yeah. Okay. Um, Earwolf started because I was doing my podcast, which is Comedy Bang Bang, which fans of your show may like.
1: I'm sure and they will. And also may abhor.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I was doing I was doing it on the radio. I started on the radio on uh, Indie one hundred three point one, and I did it for a year on the radio. and And they turned it into a podcast. Weirdly enough, that, like they recorded it and were like, "Do you mind if we put this into a podcast?" And once they put it up for a couple of weeks, I'm like, "I'm taking over this," because um, you're bossy. Yeah, and it's just like, well, this you shouldn't be in charge of this. I want to be in charge of this. Um, so I did I did that show for a year, and the podcast got you know, pretty popular for podcasts at the time, which is not that popular compared to now. But I, I think I remember I was like, "Oh, wow, you know, like twenty five thousand, thirty thousand people listen to this every week. This is pretty cool. Um, and um an acquaintance or actually more of a friend of a friend. Um, was talking to my friend about the show and um, wanted to know details about the numbers and got very intrigued by the num- amount of people who were listening and then did some research on podcasts and wanted to meet me. And um, this is Jeff Ulrich. And so I went over to his house and kind of heard him out, and he he wanted to manage the show. that's And I already have a manager, and I was like, ah, I already have a manager. Yeah. Um, and and as we were leaving, he said, "You know, if we really wanted to be ambitious, we would just like start a podcast network with a lot of shows. <laughs> but you're too busy for that." Mm-hmm. And I went, "That's actually a great idea. Let's let's talk about that instead." So we just talked about that, and um, so that's what we did. We started out with the Sklar brothers and with Paul Shear, Jason Manzukis, and June Diane Raphael's show. I think those were the only shows for a little bit. Um, just us three. And then we added my wife's show, who charted, and now we have a ton of shows: Jeff Garland and um,
1: Horatio Sands, Horatio
2: Sands, and Tick Notaro, and and a how bunch... many shows do
1: you guys have? Do you know?
2: I think we have. I mean, they they sometimes come and go. You know, sometimes people will do a show for a while and then stop. So probably on Earwolf itself, we'll probably have fifteen to twenty. On the sister network, Wolf Pop, maybe the same, maybe mm-hmm. fifteen or so. Um, and it just really was like, I would never have done the podcast if I wasn't at the radio station and someone hadn't put the mics up in front of me and said, and someone hadn't recorded it and then put it up on the internet for me after like three weeks of that, I took it over, but I just, I just knew from my, my, um, experience in putting together a live show at the UCB for 10 years, comedians want stuff done for them. They don't want to know how do the mics work. They don't want to know um, how do I upload something? How do I make my website? They don't, you know, of course you can use Squarespace to do that. One of our lovely sponsors, (laughs) but so, so that's what it was. It was like, Hey, we're going to take care of everything for you from the marketing of it to the tweeting about it, to the recording of it, to everything. All you have to do is like roll into the studio, sit down for an hour, do your show and leave. Um and that was that was what it was. And I just went around to comedians and I said, Hey, do you have ideas for a show? And um most of the comedians said no and thought podcasts were stupid. <laughs> and there were um a bunch of comedians with great foresight, like Paul Scheer, when I when I was like, Do you want to do a podcast? Look, that dude has two TV shows. And he was like, Yeah, yeah, man, I want to do a podcast, man. <laughs> um and and he came up with a great idea for a show and it's super popular. And I I think, um, but that's what it was. It was like, Hey, we're not going to tell you what to do in terms of show. You do whatever show you want and we'll provide you all the support. And if for some reason ads are ever put on podcasts, (laughs) you know, we will split it up, you know? So, um, and for three years, I think we couldn't get any ads and, Jeff was working for free um off of his savings, and I was living the life of a well paid Hollywood uh screenwriter and celebrity <laughs> um, so who what did I care if it failed but like Jeff was working you know off of his savings to do it and hustling and trying to get advertisers and then people started paying attention to podcasts and and people started advertising people like Nature box and places like that and it's, and it's been really good an offshoot of the company. It's actually the company is midroll is the company and and that was a side business that we started which was hey we're gonna sell ads for other podcasts not just earwolf ones um, and we have a cool interface and and um, you know a sales team and and it's it's you know it's a cool uh, it's a, that kind of turned into the, the the one that made the most money actually but it's it's been a it's been a cool experience and just great to see a community of people. Like I said, I I did that show at UCB for 10 years, and it was great to see the few hundred people that would come to it every week, but now it's thousands of people around the world in having the same kind of experience and talking to each other online and becoming friends um, from the message boards and Twitter and stuff like that. So it's cool to build a community like that.
1: Do you miss doing a live show? No. Tell me more.
2: (laughs) I... I did that show for 10 years.
1: And so that was Comedy Death Ray and then Comedy Bang Bang. Yeah,
2: exactly. I feel like I did for 10 and a half years. I feel like the last two, I was running out the clock to get to 10. Um, I'd started doing the TV show and it just was so much work. And it's such a responsibility. For 10 years, I missed maybe three shows. Every Tuesday night, I had somewhere to be, which is comforting and great. But by the end of it, I really felt like, you know, the reason that that we started that show originally is because there was really only one show in town at the time, Largo, and to get on it was impossible. And the booker at the time just had the people that they liked, and I couldn't get booked on it, and my friends couldn't get booked on it, Todd Glass couldn't get booked on it, and it was just, it just seemed impenetrable, and so what I wanted to do is like start a show where great comedians like Bob Odenkirk and Louis C.K. could be on and Patton and and Sarah Silverman, you know, could be on every week. But also you would also see new people who had just started that year, you know. And But, but I thought they were really funny or they had a good five minutes you know, or a good five minutes and a terrible other five, but at least it was fun to watch them, you know but by the end of that show i really felt like i was just running out the clock and i was no longer interested in looking for new talent i just didn't have the time to go out to other clubs and i was like oh i'm becoming largo <laughs> um where i just have the people i like to book and there were other shows like the meltdown and 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 other la shows springing up that were like
1: fuck comedy bang
2: bang you know and and i became like the monolith wow i never i, I felt
1: how how were you hearing that that was the attitude towards you?
2: Well, I'm just sure it, it had to be because like any comedian worth their salt, if they can't get booked on a show, is going to go fuck that show. Yeah, I'm going to prove it wrong, you know. So and they should, you know. So I just felt like by the end of it, it wasn't about growth or like hey, let's. Put, it was still very very popular and sold out every single week, and we would never tell anyone who was on it. It just tickets would go on sale very quietly on friday and they'd be they'd be gone in in five minutes um and you know uh 150 175 people there every single week who were very devoted but i just felt like i wasn't breaking any new ground so i just said it's time for places like the meltdown to take our place you know i never wanted to be the stodgy old show who no longer was getting like 15 year olds to want to go to it It who's just audience aged along with it you know
1: Sounds like you needed a vacation, and you know where I think maybe you should have gone? Where's that? Las Vegas. Oh,
2: that sounds like a dream. Do
1: you love Las Vegas? Uh, I used to go all the time.
2: I don't that much anymore, but I'd love an opportunity to go back. Did you feel like you you
1: got—I have a way that you can get a great deal. Because if you're like Mm. me when you're in Vegas, you're walking around, and you're like— I know what I paid for my room and for my hotel and for my experience, but there's people here who are having more fun than I am, and I bet yeah. they paid less. And it's probably because they used a travel site like Vegas.com, not like Vegas.com, but specifically Vegas.com. Vegas.com?
2: How did they get Vegas.com?
1: They are just that on the inside. Here's wow. the thing with Vegas.com. Everyone who works there, lives there, plays there, parties there, they know Vegas from the inside out, and they know how to get you the best deals on uh, hotels, on shows, slot tours, machines, attractions. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a, If they you want to buy you. a slot machine <laughs> right. from
2: a hotel. I, Look, they
1: could even hook you up with that.
2: If you want to go to Caesars and ask them to buy one specific slot machine...
1: At Look, Vegas. they've never .com. had that
2: request before.
1: Exactly. But they'll let you. Exactly. Listeners can save real money at Vegas.com with an exclusive offer. You can get like $84 off at the Bellagio, 56 off at Make the Luxor. Make it 85
2: and I'm interested.
1: <laughs> $90 off at Caesars, $100 off Cirque du Soleil, $73 off Jeff Dunham tickets, etc. There's so much more. Um, and, you know, it's spring. And you're going to want to go to Vegas for spring break, March Madness, NASCAR, etc. Just so-
2: enjoy the foliage out there in Vegas. Enjoy the leaves coming back on the trees out there in Vegas. It's
1: so beautiful. It is so beautiful to watch nature. It's, this is
2: the most beautiful time of year to go to Vegas.
1: It's didn't Ansel Adams capture it at one point? Oh, I have amazing. a calendar. I Have a calendar <laughs> of twelve months of springtime in Vegas. Mm. Beautiful. Go to Vegas.com right now, click on the microphone in the top right corner, and enter my code friend to receive an extra 10% off everything but air hotel packages. That's Vegas.com. Click on the microphone and get your bonus savings by using my secret code friend. book today.
2: Hey, Vegas, why aren't you advertising on my show? What's going on with that?
1: They're on yeah, I don't know. What's, I do not what's know. What's up with that?
2: Come on, Vegas.com.
1: Maybe, maybe they don't like you.
2: Maybe they don't. Maybe they... I don't know. God, what is happening right now? What is happening? I'm, I'm in a shame spiral now. Come out of you've it. Instituted. Come out of it.
1: I'm sorry. Scott okay. Ackerman. it's been so much fun having you on my show. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank
2: you so much. Thank you for having me and for taking me up on my offer. You always feel like when you say, hey, I want to do something, that they're going to go, you suck. I don't like you, so it's very nice that you took me up
1: on it. No, you know, I forget who I was talking to about this but we were talking about the specific thing that when people have said to us hey I'll do your podcast like other you know people in town we've been like oh awesome because I want I would want to have that person on but for some reason I you know I, like, I don't know if you're this way but I feel <laughs> intimidated sometimes just asking people I don't know I mean I do it a lot but I feel like it feels like that thing of like everyone has a podcast. Everyone's getting mm-hmm. asked to do podcasts a million times. And, the,
2: and when you ask someone and they never email you back, it just feels terrible.
1: Yes. Would yeah. you prefer just a no when you ask me to do yours? I've
2: spoken <laughs> 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 um, I've spoken with a mutual friend about, or a mutual friend, I don't know, you guys don't know him, so who's he? <laughs> a mutual friend with some of my other friends about this, the quick no If anyone ever asks you to do something, the quick no is always so much better than not getting back to someone or a two-day later no. Like a quick 10 minutes later, ah, no, can't do it. Oh, beautiful. Now I can mentally move on. Right. I'm
1: bad. I'm bad with that because I'll do the thing where I'm like, maybe I want to do this. I don't know when I can Mm -hmm. get to it. And then it just time passes. So now if someone doesn't write me back, I often, you know, if it's like a a booking thing, oftentimes I'm like, well, it's not a quick no.
2: (laughs) Well, a lot of people think that a quick no is rude. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I don't want them to think that I haven't taken this seriously. So they'll say, you know, and I'll tell them no in a couple of days when it really feels like I've, you know, I've wrestled with this, you know, but no, just give me the quick no immediately.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I need to do some thinking about my lack of quick no's. Okay. I never want to close any doors. And I don't mean that in a like, cause well, God, I will to open a every... window. <laughs> 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 the,
0: I just mean in general, word, I'm bad
1: with that. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you guys are going to buy something on Amazon, click through the banner on my website at alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it does help out the show. And thank you so much for all of your Amazon support. And as I mentioned on the last podcast, I uh, had some extra time on my hands, so I put together a little Amazon Associates store. There's a link in the blog post to this episode. And you can go there and you can see I have three categories. I have beauty items. Mm. I have um Wendy stuff, Wendy's our dog so dog oh, okay. dog stuff. And then kitcheny stuff, which has like the kind of coffee that Daniel and I like. Just forks. And, <laughs> and ju- it does just forks. And <laughs> you know, and I have a fourth category, just forks. Just forks. Yes. Yeah. Um and there's PayPal links on my website too, awesomehouse.com on the right hand side. Again, thank you so much for all the support. So you set up
2: like stuff that you like. Yeah. And then people can go look at the stuff you like and buy it. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, and you cool. can put little descriptions and stuff too. So oh, like all cool. the little beauty products I put, you know, my thoughts about them. Oh wow. And whatnot. Yeah. Do you you guys do the Amazon Associates stuff, right?
2: Yeah. Um, but I don't do that. That's really in, cool.
1: I had never done it. If you go into your account, there's a little tab that says A no, store. <laughs> that was a quick no, and it felt good. <laughs> it did. <didn't laughs> it felt it? good, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh we have a ringtone available. Hey, hey. Hey, go fuck yourself. You can get that by searching Hey, go fuck yourself on your iPhone in the iTunes store. And we have two special bonus episodes available recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival. The first one with Doug Benson and Greg Proops who, by the way, will be coming back to the podcast sometime soon. Mm. And the next one with Doug Benson, musician Matt Costa, and much of the former Thursday gang, and those are available for $1.99 in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. You can follow me on Twitter at Alison Rosen. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at ARIYMBF. Email us ARIYMBFshow at gmail.com. And Scott, uh, where should we go for you and what should everyone be looking for?
2: Well, I, you know, primarily I would love people to do two things. I would love people to watch the comedy Bang Bang TV show on on IFC IFC Fridays at 11 or 10 Central Um, we have a lot of great shows this season Um, coming up on the show we have Mark Duplass we have Kid Cudi we have Jesse Tyler Ferguson from Modern Family Dak Shepard from Parenthood Zach Galifianakis and that's just the ones that are coming up after that we have 30 more throughout the end of the year um, so, check that out. We're also on Netflix if you don't have IFC. So, uh, currently, the first two and a half seasons are up on Netflix. And then also listen Actually, to. Actually, the, p- the third is up. Well, um, when I say two and a half, I mean half of the third season oh. is up. Yeah. That, so, sorry. Um, the other half will be up in June. And um, listen to the podcast. Listen to Comedy Bang Bang, which is out uh, once or twice a week on at, just go to yourwolf.com. And it's a weird show where I'm the host and we have celebrities on and also comedians playing characters.
1: The current episode is so fun. I mean, they're all really all funny, but one? I, uh, with Dave, Dave Cross? Cross. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, oh my and God. And James Zedomian and Matt yes, Walsh. That's right. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, I was dying when Matt Walsh said he wanted to sponsor part of the Hershey highway. <laughs> there's i see now i stepped on that line there's so many great lines um i mean the the whole episode and the whole podcast is super good okay now that the show's over don't forget to go to naturebox.com and sign up to get your free sampler box of great tasting wholesome snacks forget the vending machine and start snacking smarter with delicious treats like barbecue kettle kernels go to naturebox.com slash allison that's naturebox.com slash allison all right thank you again this is super fun and listeners i love you guys goodbye
0: do you know
1: about the Allison Rosen show?
0: We had a good time, but now we gotta go.